There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV WCNTV.net, WCNTV.net. This is going to be the most important and inspirational show that I've ever produced, uh, working for Rob as a co-host in the last couple of years. So you're going to want to share this link with your friends. Uh, We're going to be talking about how to get through the uh, offensive that has been launched by the global COVID cult and how to emerge on the other side uh, successful because we have decided to be courageous instead of being uh, wimps. And we're going to draw inspiration from American history. We're going all the way back to 1860s, the 1860s, the Civil War period. I'm on the East Coast, and this show is, uh, of course, oriented. It's, it's international because it's on the Internet, but it's, uh, it's WCNTV.net is the website. And if you're watching this on Archive, there's a lot of shows there that are really good that you should check out. And we do this every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I don't want to waste any time with announcements. We're going to be uh, uh, getting to – I've got a a galley full, an audience full of guests who are going to inform us and inspire us. And to set things up, I want to reach back to 2005 in Maine when I was – the leader of the Christian Civic League of Maine, and the Holy Spirit called me to lead that historic institution to speak uh, to the people of Maine about the dangers of approving of sodomy, uh, the so-called LGBTQ uh, agenda. And I, for 20 years, spoke out against it, and I was one of the first people in the United States of America canceled. And I was canceled not by uh, Zuckerberg or uh, Larry Page over at Google. I was canceled by... Uh, the Christian Civic League of Maine. I was canceled by the pastors of Maine. And I want to uh, share with you the vision place of souls on why there are so many bush bashers, dream catchers, and soul snatchers by Michael S. Heath, Executive Director of Christian Civic League of Maine. I, I got so much to get to today, but this is a speech that I gave on all of Maine's college campuses to packed audiences uh, and it was, and this is what got me canceled from life, from my career. I'm not going to read the beginning of it. We're going to try to post this so you can go read it for yourself. I want, I don't want to read my words. My words are not that important. I want to read the words of one of Maine's greatest uh, heroes and one of Amer- America's most distinguished war heroes. He actually accepted the surrender of Robert E. Lee when the Civil War was ended, and he was, in addition to being a one of America's most courageous leaders, he said he was quite a wordsmith. He said this, in great deeds, something abides. On great fields, something stays. Forms change and pass. Bodies disappear, but spirits linger to consecrate ground for the vision place of souls. And reverent men and women from afar and generations that know not us and we know not of heart drawn to see where and by whom great things were suffered and done for them, shall come to this field to ponder and dream. We're going to see that field in just a moment live. We're going to see the field that he was talking about uh, way back in the 1860s 
in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, that shall come to this field to ponder and dream, and the shadow of a mighty presence shall wrap them in its bosom, and the power of the vision shall pass into their souls. That's uh, Colonel Joshua Chamberlain in uh, the mid-19th century. I have an expert on the show. His brother has written a book about this day, and he is Colonel E. Ray Moore. Uh, I want to bring him right in right now, but before I do, I also want to thank Al Cooper, a hero friend of mine from up in northern Maine. He's with us by phone. Uh, Jack McCarthy, another hero. All of these men are uh, military, and they've uh, already accomplished great things in their lives, and they're all going to make a contribution during the next hour, and you are not going to want to miss this show. You're going to want to share this with others. E. Ray Moore, come in here and tell us. I'm, I'm going to flip the camera around, and okay. you're, going to talk to us, you're going to talk to us about this day, that second day of the Battle of Gettysburg, as I've as, as I flip this camera around, and I'm going to be walking, Ray, as you tell us about this day, I'm going to be walking down to where Joshua Chamberlain made his stand. So here we are on the ridge of Little Round Top. <laughs> e. Ray Can Moore. people see me, Michael? Yes. Um, am I, am I vis- visible? You are. Is the audience able to see me? Okay, great. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll get to the book in a minute, but my, my younger brother... <clears throat> Uh, is a novelist, and he's written, he writes historical fiction. And if you know that model, it's uh, where there's a lot of real history, but they use fictional characters to tell the story. And about a year and a half ago, he finished a book on the Battle of Gettysburg, and it's called A Fatal Mercy, The Man Who Lost the Civil War by Thomas Moore, and it's told from a Southern perspective. Um, and I'll describe it a little bit, but um, it is it's it is historical fiction, so you got to realize there's a lot of fiction <laughs> mixed in. But it centers around what Michael is talking about, the Battle of Little Round Top. And that's where the 20th Maine, people from Maine, probably heard of the 20th Maine, led by Colonel then, then Colonel Joshua Chamberlain, so acquitted themselves in such a way that they saved the country. Um, Ray, backing up they a had, little bit. Ray, little, Ray, Ray, Ray they, had a, they had a little bit of tenacity, didn't they? Unlike some military idiots that we're dealing with right now in America, the tenacious 20th Maine. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I think... Uh, Probably they were typical of many soldiers in both sides at that time. Um, and I'll kind of I'll set the stage a little bit for you. I'm a retired lieutenant colonel and a graduate of the Army Command and General Staff College, and that's sort of like a advanced degree in military history, strategy, tactics, and you have to get you got to take that class, and it lasts about six months uh, to be promoted to colonel. And we always study uh, down for decades, maybe since, you know, before World War I, people study this battle. It wasn't Ray, a big see, battle, but I'll, it was pivotal. In the re- Ray, yeah. can you see my, can you see the image? Yeah, I see it. This is, this is yeah, the stone wall. Yeah, it's great. That's, that's the stone wall. You can tell us what happened here. Briefly, what happened was the, the the hill was a little small mountain, the left rear of the Union lines. And it was the first or second day, and the armies were converging <clears throat> on the battlefield. Some battles, some small parts of the battle had been fought. But this little round top oversaw the left rear of the Union lines. So whoever occupied and controlled this mountain, it wasn't a big mountain, but a small mountain, really would have controlled the battlefield. And uh, neither side realized it the first day. It was unoccupied, empty, uncovered, unprotected. And this man, 
who is probably the real hero of Gettysburg. And I understand you can see his statue there on the mountain, uh, Michael. Yeah, we're approaching. His name was Governor Warren. Oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to see that in a little bit. And I believe he was a brigadier general in the Okay, he was a brigadier general in the Union Army and he discovered it. He was Meade's, General Meade's uh, chief engineer, and he quickly realized the precarious position that the Union Army was in with this unprotected uh, battle uh, site, and he quickly got a word, I don't know quite how it happened to Joshua Chamberlain, to rush his men to the mountain. Please hurry. Come quickly. It's, it's urgent. And they arrived on the mountain and occupied it and set up a defense perimeter about 15 minutes before the 15th Alabama arrived. And there was a, a, a fight there that lasted hours. And the 15th Alabama kept assaulting the mountain, trying to push them off and trying to get control of it. And they failed. They were heroic. Uh, they lost a lot of men. And the 20th Maine Regiment, they were in a defensive position. They protected the, the little round top and won the battle. They won this, it, that part of the battle. And by winning the, that battle, they won the Battle of Gettysburg because had the South occupied it, they would have put cannon on top of that mountain and fired into the rear of the Union lines. And Meade would have had to retreat, and the North would have lost the battle. And what Lee was trying to do was to have a big victory, uh, defeat the Union Army on northern soil. And they were hoping the South's strategy was that they would defeat the Union. And they were winning a lot of the battles. You might remember they were the Southern soldiers were very, very good. And uh, and then force a, an armistice where Lincoln would have to throw in the towel, and let the South go its separate way. And so, that, was so their, Ray, that was a Southern so, plan. So, Ray, today was a, this day at this rock wall was a pivotal day in American history and in the Civil War because the Union Army turned back Lee's offensive in the North. But one, the, yeah. one, one of the things about this day that is remarkable is it was toward dusk. The day was ending and they'd been fighting all day long. And Chamberlain was walking this uh, rock wall, supporting his men. They were hunkered down because the 15th Alabama was, uh, was ferocious charging up this hill. And uh, Chamberlain ran out of ammunition. And when he ran out of ammunition, he got on his, uh, he ran up to uh, Governor Warren and he said, I need, uh, I need, some counseling help because things aren't going the way they should down there with my men. And so I, 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 I'm not sure what I should do. I'm, I'm a, so I've been trained to be a social justice warrior and I got uh, all this, you know, he, he just didn't know what to do. Chamberlain, not really. I'm kidding. Chamberlain ordered. I don't know that part of the story. and, And this is, and, and this is what you studied, I think, in the War College, probably. This is one of the takeaways from this battle. Chamberlain didn't suck his thumb uh, as the day was winding down. He ordered a charge, and he had no, his men had no mm-hmm. ammo. And so they affixed bayonets, and they charged down the right. hill. And that's how they won this day. That's how they prevailed. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's, a, that's correct. I don't think he was indecisive. I think they were out of ammunition, and the 15th Alabama was coming again. And if you're in an army, you have to be able to shoot back. Yeah, I would, and they and they I, I, and they could I, not yeah. retreat. Yeah. If they had, if they retreated, that they would have come up over and taken the hill. So he couldn't, he couldn't fight. He couldn't shoot, and he couldn't retreat. And he he ordered a bayonet charge. And what was happening is that both armies uh, were totally exhausted. The 50th Alabama was at the end of their. They were at the end of the tether. And they were coming up, hoping one more time they could take control of the hill. And the 20th Maine ordered a charge. And it was so extraordinary, it broke the back of the 50th Alabama. And they fell back and fled. And he drove them back and saved the day. And um, it's one of the, if you you haven't seen the movie, there's a movie called Gettysburg. You should go look at it. 
Ray, that's a little different than what just happened in Afghanistan with this with the United States uh, military, wouldn't you say? You got, you got a bayonet I could borrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jack, come on in here. Tell us. Tell anyway, us, tell uh, us Jack, come on in here. Tell us Jack McCarthy from northern Maine. What do you think? What do you think of this? I, I'm stunned. I, I've heard this story before. It is. And watching it on in the movie, uh, it, it was stunning. It was stunning. They just. I mean, this is like this is like a biblical um, story right out of the Old Testament yeah. where they they charged down the hill and broke their lamps and and. The enemy ran away. And and stunning. And one of the uh, I think fair criticisms of Afghanistan of Afga- I'm going to turn this around of Afghanistan today. Uh, Al Cooper, I want you to come in here, or uh, or Bobby Lee, if you're with us, if you were able to join us, um, is the fact that the success on this day depended heavily on the leadership qualities of one man, Joshua Chamberlain. And one of the things that's uh, coming out in the criticism of Afghanistan's drawdown and of our being defeated by the Taliban is the weak leadership that's being provided to good men in our military. We have a great, we still have the greatest military on earth, but it's very, very poorly led and it's being used as for social experimentation with women and transgendering. There were no women here and that's a good thing. There were no women on the battlefield in Gettysburg unless they were here as nurses to care for the wounded men. The men fought to protect the honor of the women on both sides, Union and Confederate. And this is one of the, this is one of the, one of the biggest reasons we just lost in Afghanistan is because we've got the gender issue. We are the evil empire when it comes to sex and the whole world knows it. And the Taliban and the Afghani people didn't want to have any part of it. And especially the Taliban. And that's why we lost. And that's why we're suck that's why we're that's why we suck right right now in the world's eyes and that's why taiwan is is now at risk of being conquered by china it's because we project weakness the united states of america projects weakness al cooper come in here and tell us what you think star six bobby lee you come in after that please you want me to can you hear me or not yes sir okay i'm on Hey, uh, one of the yeah, most, one of the most one, one, one of the most courageous men I know, Al Cooper. <laughs> I, I agree a hundred percent, and I, it's uh, in in a very few words I can expo- I can tell you my feelings on the matter. I I was there and saw the uh, what Josh Chamberlain did, and I was there not not this, uh, obviously not in the same year, but I went there and looked it all over and surmised the same things that uh, have been told today. And uh, I uh, I feel like our country's in right on the precipice in my state as well. And uh, the history of Maine, the history of the United States is uh, being compromised by poor leaders. And unless they wake up, that we the leaders won't wake up unless we vote in godly leaders is mm-hmm. a republic can't operate without uh godly leaders and we don't have any uh that are at the top and uh so we are in trouble we're definitely in trouble and uh everybody's going to pay a dear price the whole world for for our ineptness so the reason and uh we amen Al. we need to change that amen so the reason i'm here is because we need to draw inspiration from real life from being real from getting out and being that's why i'm so glad i'm not in the studio today this is one of the things that you have to do folks is get out of your house get off your screen and go and visit historic sites acquaint yourself with the history of your country we have a country to be very proud of here's a plaque about the defensive little round top we're not going to take to re- take time to read it but check out this landscape folks E. Ray Moore, I want you to come back in here, but before you do, Bobby Lee, if you're there, can you unmute? And Bobby Lee is just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby Lee is traveling all. Yeah, I can hear you. Bobby Lee is traveling all over America, and he is teaching the what he calls the Christian warrior class. Bobby Lee, you're familiar with Gettysburg. I'm sta- I don't know. You're on the phone, so you can't see this, but 
I am uh, right now pointing my camera to Devil's Den, Devil's Den, which I believe that's accurate. Ray can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm standing on the summit of Little Round Top, and Devil's Den was a place, a very bloody, bloody place in America's uh, history. And courageous men on both sides gave their lives for principle, for what they believed in, to protect home and hearth. And Bobby Lee, you're traveling America and helping Christians to realize what it's going to take to get through this World War III that the COVID cult launched a year and a half ago. Tell us about what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about Devil's Den. Well, before I tell you about what we're doing, I have to say that I'm struck about what I just heard uh, that happened there uh, with, with Alabama and the Northern Army there at Little Round Top. The reason I'm struck is because the, the the northern command there knew that you can't be punched and be punched at the same time. So you got you got Alabama that was punching, and they immediately had to stop when when the North began their charge. So they 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 went from punching to being punched. They so yeah. the the northern command there understood that and didn't hesitate, and they took it straight down the center. So that that really got my attention right there, and it struck a nerve with me. And and and, and those that have, have trained with me understand that I'm always saying, I'm frequently making that, that reference. You can't punch and be punched at the same time. But aside from that, yeah, uh, me and Chad Estes are going from uh, state to state, coast to coast, if we can if we can manage it. we got things coming up, and we've already been to various places. We're teaching uh, the Christian body how to defend itself, how to fight back, how not to be cowardice, how not oh, to be submissive. Bobby Lee, love, love. Jesus is all about love, right? What are you, you're, you, must be an old yeah. tes- you must be an Old Testament guy, huh? Well, well, I tell you what, just this, every day I'm seeing uh, people get attacked and the knives have emerged, the machetes are emerged. Just this morning I saw it. I checked one headline today, and that was this morning, and what did I see? Somebody getting hatcheted at an ATM. You know, the, yeah. the, the days of, of submissiveness are over. Right. I thought and, the gospel and, was an offense. Amen, not Jack. A defense. The gospel is an offense. And A. Ray Moore, we're not supposed to lay over and let our enemies walk all over us, are we? No, no. I think, uh, you know, it says in... Uh, Oh, I think First Corinthians, I can't remember the site, the reference, but Paul said, behave like men. Quit yep. ye like men. Well, some, and, uh, some, you know, and some, part of the male, the male uh, species is supposed to be a leader, supposed to be courageous. It's not that women can't be, but they are, have been created to be nurturers. Most cases, taking care of children and supporting their husbands. I know your wife, uh, Michael, is a pretty courageous woman. But yet she follows your leadership and, uh, and that's the God's way. Uh, I know her. I know what kind of woman she is. You're, you're blessed to have a woman like that. As, you know, oh, Jared, not, have a woman I like that. As a, I don't deserve her. But, Ray, real quick, but, tell, tell us. I'm, I'm, I've got the camera on. I believe that's Devil's Den, is it not? I can't. I don't know. You can't see. It. I think I, it is. I, I, Devil's Den was down the hill from Little Round Top. Yeah, it is. And there was vicious it, fighting there before they got to Little Round Top. Yeah, this and is, the South this won that, a, that thing. Yeah, they the won. South they won that piece winning, of ground, right? Yeah, I think they won that piece of ground. But they were winning a lot of the individual skirmishes at Gettysburg. But they had they lacked something that they always had in the past, and that was controlling the high ground. At Fredericksburg, uh, the South had the total high ground, and the North was assaulting and got just massacred. But at this battle, the North had this position. Jack, come on in here. Go ahead. I I just want to throw a little something in here. You've been talking about the Civil War or the Northern War of Regression, whichever one you want to call it, and the, the North was a republic. The South was a confederacy, but they were both a republican form of government. Whereas when you're talking about Afghanistan and the leadership there and ours and our military, th- those are apples and oranges. They don't even compare. This is my, my view of Afghanistan. Our abuse 
of tribal countries. That's what happens when we try to force a democracy instead of a republic on people that don't understand either one. Yeah. Good point, Jack. Good point. Go, go ahead, Ace. Republican uh, forms of government, Republican forms of government, constitutional forms of government, I would say tend to come out of a Christian, Judeo-Christian ethos or culture. And yeah. Islamic culture is top down and they can't, because the culture is so different and so alien to Christianity, they can't create a democratic Republican culture that we, we have here. So it's just impossible for them. And that's why nation building is what the dumb Republicans and Democrats have attempted for decades. Doesn't work. You can't build nations that have a totally alien a worldview and a different philosophy. And I'm so glad, Al, you know, and Trump, you know, said we're giving that up. So Al Cooper, I want you to come in here again. Do you think that these, uh, you think Joshua Chamberlain laid awake at night uh, concerning himself with whether or not uh, Harry in the, uh, in his 20th Maine could have the sex change operation that he, that he very desperately needed. Do you think he worried about things like that? Joshua Chamberlain. I don't know if you can unmute, Al. Bobby Lee, what do you think? You can unmute. I may have lost Al. He had to go to a. Can he you, had to go to a. He had you, to go to a deacon's, deacon's meeting. You think he? You think he uh, uh, laid awake at night worrying about mixing the LGBTQ folks into the front lines of the 20th Maine? Can you hear me there, Mike? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I doubt very highly. I mean, you're dealing with men of a different character, and they were surrounded by men. These these, these thoughts probably uh, never it, it's such a foreign uh land to them in their in their minds to be okay. with masculine men it's no uh, that's i'm just trying to i'm just trying to say that that whole battlefield was nothing but aggressive testosterone driven masculinity there you understand what i'm saying and there was a lot of honor in that there was a lot, a lot of honor yeah. in that i don't think i yeah. i think i think men get it instinctively but I, I think war is the worst possible thing that can happen, that can visit any generation, very obviously. Yeah. True. This was a real war. This was a declared war. We haven't had a declared war in the United States since World War II. We've been, we've been doing these political uh, actions like Vietnam and Korea and, uh, and then this latest uh, nightmare that lasted 20 years in Afghanistan. But this was a declared war, and this war was led – by men like this. Now, I want you to think about all this nonsense about critical race theory and about feminism and about uh, Black Lives Matter and about LGBTQ and equality and all that nonsense that we hear about incessantly in the media. And it's being forced down the throat of our children down to kindergarten now. And I want you to compare that whole ethos to just look at this bronze statue, I want you to observe this bronze statue. This is uh, Governor, uh, uh, help me out, Ray. This is the man who, this is the hero. Warren, Warren. Governor Warren. This is Governor Warren. Warren. This, yeah, Warren. This is a life-size bronze. Look at that. Look at that man. That's a man. Where are the American men like that? Who, that's not pride, folks. That's just plain raw masculinity. That's just plain manhood. That's how, uh, that's how fathers lead their families. That's how men act in war. That's how pastors lead their congregation. They have a straight back. They're looking out into the, onto the horizon to anticipate difficulties and trouble. And they're leading their men from the front. And that's what this man did, and it's obvious. Wearing the uniform, holding the saber, this this is <clears throat> what we need. Ray, tell us about this courageous. What, what, he, what he did was he, he got there first. In my brother's book, I have to tell you a little bit more about. It. He creates a fictional character uh, to tell the story, and this book was written in sort of defense of. Western Christian civilization, but written from a Southern perspective. And the main character who is fictional 
is a Southerner before the war who is unsympathetic to secession and slavery. And there were a lot of Southerners like that. They didn't want the war, but when their state seceded and they formed the Confederacy, they felt loyal to their state more than to the nation. So his wife, now this is fiction, was saying, let's go to Ireland where I'm from and get away from this country and the war. He said, I don't agree with my father and my brothers, you know, but I'm going to have to stand and defend my, my state, the state of South Carolina. So he was there on the mountain. You remember, it's fiction. And he sees Governor Warren, and he's a sharpshooter, and he could have killed him, shot him in the back. He was unseen, but his wife had made him promise not to let the war brutalize him, and he knew he couldn't shoot an unarmed man unseen in the back, so he declined to shoot Governor Warren, Governor Warren. That's fictional. So he had the fastest horse in the Confederacy. So he got on his horse and he raced down the mountain and got General Longstreet and said, get the 15th Alabama up there. We're not protected and we've got a chance to take that mountain. And they were 15 minutes late. He didn't find out about his role until several years after the war. He's a man who lost the Civil War with the South. So he spends his life dealing with the role he played. And my wife is a literary person. There's a term for characters where they, I think in Shakespeare, characters that they deteriorate in, in tragedies. But there's a term for a character who improves and comes to grips with the person they are and the providence and the place in history which they live. And this man came to grips with it. Robert E. Lee talked to him. And these are things that Robert E. Lee really did say in the book, but he never said them to my, 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 son, my brother's character because he didn't exist. And Robert e. Lee comforted him and talked to him about providential history and how God is working in history in ways that we don't understand. And he came to the conclusion that it was best that the nation was not separate, that we be united. And stay united. So that's kind of the, and it takes place at Gettysburg in 1863. And then it takes place at Gettysburg in 1913. Now, a lot of people don't know about that, but in 1913, 50 years later, there was a reunion of thousands of the veterans that fought there in 1863. And they were by this time in their 70s and 80s. And they came and embraced. One case was a man was shot on, on at, at Pickett's Charge, a Confederate soldier, and a, a Union soldier took him to the hospital and saved his life after the Battle of Pickett's Charge. And they met at that same location and embraced at Pickett's Charge, the wall, 50 years later in 1913. So this is a good book, uh, and it's a... It, if you want to get it, you can have to go to Amazon, A Fatal Mercy. Everybody needs to go out and get a copy of that. I'm going to get a copy. There's uh, Governor Warren right there, the statue that we've been meditating on the last five minutes or so. And uh, I wish we didn't have to do it, but we do, folks. We've got to take a quick break, just two minutes. Everybody stay with us. But when we come back, I'm hoping my son Jared will come in. We're going to talk about Pickett's Charge. We're going to talk about Pickett's Charge. Let me turn the camera around again as we go to the break for two minutes. Just two minutes. We're going to be right back. Pickett's charge took place right out there on the horizon, just uh, in this, at the center of the Union line. Pickett's charge, the South, General Pickett uh, charged the center of the Union line. I believe that was on day one of the three-day battle of Gettysburg. You're watching WCNTV.net live, and we will be right back. Don't you go anywhere. Pornography is a destructive force. It destroys individuals, families, and fuels the out-of-control demand for sex trafficking. 45% of Christian families say porn is a problem in their home, but why aren't churches and public schools talking about this? Fear. People who view porn think they're the only one. It's a lie. Statistically, more people view porn than who do not and struggle in silence. 
www.lynnfrederick.com. You can find the book I wrote about my own battle with porn and the presentations that I do for churches and public schools. lynnfrederick.com. At the McClario Firm, it all starts with family. We are here to serve you and your family, online or in person. Call today for a free consultation. The McClario Firm, your law firm for life. Are you a parent, mentor, or youth leader searching for meaningful books to engage your middle and high schoolers? Look no further. The books in the Off the Itinerary series by author M. Liz Boyle are receiving outstanding reviews for their compelling plots and strong Christian themes. Avalanche, Chased, and soon-to-be-released Ablaze are available on Amazon and at most bookstores. Check out mlizboyle.com for discussion guides to accompany each book. This is Leighton Howerton, and I've learned a lot from my monthly subscription to the Wisconsin Christian News. It's a national newspaper that's dedicated to encouraging you in your Christian walk, and it's chock plumb full of biblically sound articles and commentaries from some of the best Christian writers and authors in the country that, in my opinion, are more than up to the task of taking on the toughest issues in the midst of all the uncertainties we're facing living in times like these. Wisconsin Christian News is a nationally and internationally distributed newspaper and is a vitally important resource that you don't want to miss out on reading, either in print or through an online subscription. And to get your copy, all you have to do is visit www.wisconsinchristiannews.com. That's www.wisconsinchristiannews.com. And tell my old friend, publisher, and editor, Rob Pugh, sign me up today. WCN-TV, WCN-TV, this is Mike Heath, and uh, you want to support those people, uh, uh, support Rob Pugh and his uh, newspaper, his excellent Christian newspaper, Wisconsin Christian News. You can donate to it, you can subscribe and get the real deal uh, paper, not just electronic version, but he does have a website version, which you can check out online. So I am reporting to you or commenting uh, from, sorry about putting my hand in there. Uh, Gettysburg, the famous battle of Gettysburg. I'm on the battle, actual battlefield. I'm going to turn things around here. And uh, Jared Heath is with me. He's he's producing this show, uh, his uh, his company, Alphatech. And Jared spent eight years in the Marine Corps. Jared, you just watched uh, the United States military uh, withdraw or surrender. You'd watched. What, what are your thoughts on what's happening in Afghanistan, especially in comparison to what we've already learned in the last 30 minutes about the men, the caliber of the men who uh, who fought on this battlefield? Yep. what do they call that the they call afghanistan the graveyard of empires i think yeah yeah well i i think that the uh, caliber of the men who, who many who you served with jared correct me if i'm wrong but you you just got out four years ago the caliber of the grunt the man on the front lines is probably very similar to the men who were here in the mid-19th century they they came out here not terribly sophisticated probably most of them and they uh fought uh for their because they were patriots and they fought uh for principle and they fought to preserve the life of their buddy, the guy next to him. Do you think that's uh, pretty accurate? But so I think the distinction, what, tell me what you uh, re react to this. I think the distinction, the difference between 2021's uh, American military and the American military on both sides of this war is the caliber of the leadership. Mike, I'd like to say, 
Go ahead, Bob. I'd like to touch base on that, too. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So, you know, the difference is most of those guys in the Civil War, you know, you got you got men coming from all over the nation. In the hollers of West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky, most of these people hadn't been too far out away from their holler. This was all brand new. And they they only knew what they knew in that small surrounding compared to the, these young men now that have, even though they're in the Marines and they're the grunts, they've still grown up on social media and mass killing of video games. Yep. Yep. And they're, they're, they're just, it's a whole different uh, uh, cultural environment that, that exists that feeds that feeds my wife's talking to me in the background here. She's playing my producer, giving me idea whole, a culture that, uh, that, that created compared then compared to now, uh, the, these men were better served by the culture and E Ray Moore. Uh, there was a theologian named last name of Dabney who Stonewall Jackson, one of the most famous generals, he did not end up he did not fight at this battle i think he had been killed uh before this battle southern general and in preparing for battle and in preparing for running his unit his uh i don't know what size unit he was in charge of but a large one he hired a theologian imagine that folks a christian thinker he hired to be at his right hand and to counsel him and to help him to conduct warfare in a moral way. E. Ray Moore, Colonel E. Ray Moore, what has happened to America today? Today, if we, if a general hired a Christian theologian to advise him on how to fight a moral battle, it's like that thought wouldn't even occur today. What, what has happened? Well, we do have a, we do have chaplains and, uh, there are some very good ones. Oh. We do have some very good chaplains. Uh, most recently, the, the head of the com- the commandant of the chaplain school in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, I knew was a very dedicated evangelical Christian and in the PCA, Presbyterian Church of America. So there's a lot of good moral, ethical people in the military, at least there had has been. One of the problems um, is in peacetime, they make a lot of they a lot of the generals are political generals. They're not war fighting men, and this is probably what we have now. This current <clears throat> chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley or Miley, he's a clown as far as I'm concerned. I look at that situation and I just find it hard to believe that this guy is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And uh, my brother, who wrote this book, um, he worked in the defense establishment. I'm just going to I'm gonna try to give you a longer answer than you asked for. He was Senator Thurman's uh, top aide on defense and foreign policy when Thurman was chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee. And then he went to the Heritage Foundation, and then he was the chief foreign policy defense person there with, until the two, year 2000. And he told me years ago, he said, nobody above the two-star rank, of anybody that goes above the two-star rank is chosen more for politicalism, their political views, whether they're globalists, um, they're chosen because they're not strong patriots, and people below the two-star rank are fighting generals. He told me recently it may be worse than that now. Maybe everybody, well, you have to. Nobody gets a good uh, job in the military who's a who's a patriot unless above the rank of colonel. So the the military is in terrible shape, uh, and it's a combination of reasons. Yeah, Stonewall Jackson hired uh, put on his staff Ariel Dabney, who was actually a Presbyterian theologian. And after the war, he became known as the South's greatest theologian. And he was a, uh, his wife and uh, Stonewall Jackson's wives were cousins, but they were not personally related. And Jackson was a strong, you know, Presbyterian uh, layman. 
And there was a lot of that in both sides of the war. I want to say something about Chamberlain because we've been talking, start off talking about him. Uh, he went on to become a major general in the Union Army all through the war. And he was the one that was designated at Appomattox by the Grant and the Union generals to receive the Southern surrender at Appomattox. And I've been on that battlefield. And, uh, you know, when an army surrendered in those days uh, and all through history, often it's a degrading moment. An ar- a defeated army has to march through the ranks of a victorious army, and sometimes they are jeered and screamed at and maybe physically beaten, um, mistreated by the victorious army. And as the Southerners marched up the road to Appomattox to surrender their weapons and their flags, Chamberlain's men, I don't know if they were the 20th Maine at that point, but they were on both sides of the road to receive the surrender. It was a humiliating moment for the South, who had fought so heroically for four years. And as they came by, Chamberlain ordered a salute, not a degrading. He ordered his men to come to the salute to honor their defeated enemies. And that moment has been remembered in the South to this day. And he is respected and loved by many Southerners who know that story. And it went a long way to bring about the healing of the nation, which was so necessary because he had ordered the men to lay down their arms and to come back in and be good citizens. So Chamberlain was a great man. And he went on back to Maine, and I think he became the president of Bowden College and later governor of Maine. I don't quite know all this history, but he really uh, served the nation and the people well. So there were he men like pro- that on both sides, and they need to be respected. He, he was he was a professor of uh, religion and philosophy at Bowdoin College, and he did become governor of Maine, and he served four terms in the late 19th century. Folks... <clears throat> Things uh, are looking as each day passes with the threat of more lockdowns and mandated vex, uh, mandated jabs and uh, more social distancing. Things are looking uh, grim indeed, but I'm not troubled at all by it. I'm, if I'm troubled by anything, it's by the weakness I see in Christianity and in the pulpits and in uh, the masses of the United States of America. And there's really no excuse for it. They need to turn the uh, media off, and they need to stop just trusting the government and trusting American institutions. And they need to think for themselves. You know something, folks? People by the millions are waking up. I don't, you, you won't see it on CNN. But if you go on the Internet, if you go on Telegram, it's not hard to find. You're going to see millions if not tens of millions of people gathering uh every weekend in europe and around the world to push back against the new world order and the globalist idea for 2030 none of the funny thing about the conspiracy theorists is that we're now it's now proven to to all watchers that they're right they're no longer conspiracies they're facts they're truth it's truth and everybody knows it the only reason that things are looking as grim as they are is because you're letting yourself feel grim you need to make the choice that joshua chamberlain made on that second day of the battle of gettysburg when he his men ran out of ammunition we've reached that point in the united states of america and this fall could will will be either grim or or uh, celebratory and uh, full of an unpredictable victory depending on how you react. If you turn this stuff off, if you walk away from living with booster shots for the rest of your life and being forced to become a transhumanist slave for globalist oligarchs, then we, and you know something, we are going to win. I'm seeing it. But you don't see it if you're not if you're not looking for it on the internet and if you're not looking around looking past cnn and msnbc and joe biden and even donald trump 
but we, and things are going to get dark, darker. Things are going to become more grim, but we're going to come out the other side of this victorious, just like America came out of the civil war victorious that we haven't begun to experience anything like what the men on this hill here suffered that day and what the men suffered in devil's den right over there and what the men uh, almost all of them killed suffered at the arms of the union army at its center when general led his charge which uh, his unit was disbanded after that. I think most of his men were killed. Isn't that accurate, Ray? There were 15,000 in the Pickett's charge. I think 5,000 were killed, many wounded, but the units were broken. So, I I mean, I don't know if they disbanded, but they were were shattered. Yep. And and that was... uh, that was Lee's decision to try to break the center of the army of Grant's army. And it wasn't, yeah, yeah it was, it wasn't Grant's army. At the that reason point. for that was that it was perceived that they were, the union was weakest in the middle. They were strong on the ends at Culp's Hill, a little round top, but they were weakest in the middle. Of course, my great grandfather was in that battle with Lee. He was with Hampton's Legion. And Lee had a pretty good plan. It just didn't work. The plan was to attack in the middle at Pickett's Charge. I, th- I forget it was Cemetery Ridge, I believe. Or, yeah. And, um, and then Hamp- Hampton and Stewart, the cavalry, would attack at the same time from the very rear. And it didn't work out. The uh, Wolverines, that was the Michigan cavalry led by Custer, General Custer, attacked them first and drove them off. And it was where he made his fame. And so the battle just didn't work out for the South. And so they were defeated and they pulled back. And And then the rest of it, for the next year and a half, they fought a stalemate trying to, you know, keep their standing. But Grant just wore them down. Bobby Lee, are you still in here? Yes, sir. As you travel and meet Christians around the country and offer them training, are you seeing the grit that we're going to need to get through what's coming? I'm seeing uh, there's similarities across our Christian body or our conservative body across the nation. I, I, I see the, the development of grit. I see a lot of, of shock when I do my opening uh, speech explaining where we're at and what needs to take place. And I'm shocked. By we we are the we're the fighters we're the conservatives we're the ones that uh, we're the veterans we're the hunters we're the fishermen but I am shocked by the number of people that I see that don't even know how to throw a basic punch. All of, it's like it's like all of our aggression from our great great grandparents and before has just been removed to this creation of this this Christian body that's almost inept. And, and they need to be retrained, retraining the Christian warrior class, retraining the Black Robe Regiment. But to answer your question, um, we're not as in good a shape as you might think. We got a lot of work to do, don't we? And one of the yes, things, one of the things, folks, that you can do is go to CoachDaveLive.com. CoachDaveLive.com. You'll find all sorts of Bobby Lee material there. And you can learn more about upcoming uh, training events that are being offered around the country that Bobby Lee and Chad Estes, a retired uh, Texas Ranger, are offering to Christians. And they work hard to make it affordable. Money should not be a reason for you not to be able to participate in the training over at Coach Dave Live. But you're going to win. You need to take off the mask. You need to refuse. You know, you need to be wise, right? If your governor says you got to be locked down, I'm not saying you should go out and run in front of the governor's mansion and get yourself arrested and sent to some re-education camp. Maybe that is something that you are going to be called by the Holy Spirit to do. But maybe it's going to be simply uh, attending, as Jack McCarthy did today, a county commissioner's meeting and exposing yourself to them and exposing yourself to the way that your government is making its decisions and exposing yourself to how deeply corrupt uh, the entire system has become. You know, the system is collapsing. 
And if you choose, especially if you're a man and you choose to learn more about Gettysburg and about the character of men like the one depicted in the bronze statue behind me, Governor Warren, then you will, these stories will inspire you, just like the stories of Jesus Christ and of Paul the Apostle. I just finished reading the book of Acts with my wife. You, you must expose yourself to these stories and then begin acting as they acted. You need to take lessons from those stories, and you need to be inspired, and you need to take your stand. What else is there to do at this point? Do you want to live? I don't. Do you really want to live in a world where you're not allowed to own property? You think I'm lying? You think that this is some kind of, uh, you think if you just go to church and pray that uh, you're going to, in 2030, you're going to be allowed to own a house or, or, or own any property? You're not going to be able to. What's being imposed upon us globally is communism. Go to Google and search on what's happening in Australia right now as I speak. And go and look at the images of what's happened in France last week with the police uh, tear gassing, uh, people waving flags and smiling and just wanting to be free. We have got to find one another and we have got to stand up and we have got to take lessons and draw inspiration from the men who fought and died in the thousands, if not tens of thousands, on that day in the mid-19th century in the United States of America. And the United States of America was able to suffer this war and, and come back and bring us to this point. And how, sh- how ashamed these men must be. You know, Hebrews talks about a great cloud of witnesses. I, I can imagine that these, many of these men who sacrificed their lives on this battlefield are in that great cloud of witnesses. What do you think they are uh, mindful of as they look down on our military today and on our culture, which is so insane over sex? Did they die for that? Did the men whose blood drained into these fields in the 1860s, is that what they were thinking of when they were thinking about liberty and freedom and building the United States of America? I don't think so, folks. We dishonor their memory by not acting. We dishonor their sacrifice by not acting. Do what the Holy Spirit calls you to do. We've got three minutes. E. Ray Moore has a ministry called exodusmandate.org. It's a website, very helpful. I encourage you to check it out. And I want to thank uh, Colonel Moore and Bobby Lee and Al Cooper. Al Cooper is in the process of publishing a book. He doesn't have a title for it yet, but it's a book about uh, a true story that includes Theodore Roosevelt going all the way back to the 1880s in Maine, and you'll want to be checking that out, Al Cooper, and uh, Bobby Lee with us, who's doing training, Christian warrior training all over America, and uh, two, two minutes, and Jack McCarthy from Northern Maine, also want to thank him for being here with us. Uh, Ray, I'll give you the last word, we've got two minutes. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis said, courage is not one of the virtues but the summary of every virtue at its testing point. We tend to think of courage alongside humility and honesty and integrity. No, courage is the virtue at the testing point. If you say you have courage and you don't act honorably or morally, you really don't have it. And we have to understand that it's a, it's, it's a critical uh, summary of the virtues, not a virtue by itself. I hope I made that pretty clear, but it's kind of confused sounding. <laughs> And folks, that's what this that's what this show, WCN TV Live, this week in August 2021 is about. God has given you all you need to summon the courage that will be required of you in the coming days and weeks and months. Start making decisions based on what's really happening. Do your research about this, the real science behind these jabs and take action based upon the truth, not based upon the government's word or uh, Fauci or Biden or even Donald Trump. Make your decisions and take your actions based on the truth. Do your own 
research and move ahead. And we're going to get to the other side of this, folks. We're going to get to the other side and we're going to be victorious. Tune in next week when we'll, well, I don't know where I'll be, but um, it'll, I promise it'll be, you know what I might do? I may be in uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. And if I am, I'll probably do the show from Jeb Stewart's home place, Jeb Stewart's home place, eight miles outside of Mount Airy, North Carolina. And it's a wonderful uh, site that y'all need to visit when you're in the South. It's inspirational. We'll tell the story of that great Christian uh, cavalry leader in the uh, Confederate Confederacy. So God bless you. Thank everyone for tuning in and share this uh, archived link with, with your family and friends so that they too can be informed and inspired. God bless you. Thank you.